Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Just over a year ago, our guest today was experiencing severe back pain. She was pregnant at the time, but the early diagnosis that the medical community gave her was a slipped disc. And following a car accident she was involved in, it was discovered she had stage 4 breast cancer that had metastasized to her bones. And joining us to tell her remarkable story is April Saul of Virginia. April, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Thank you. Now, you were an avid runner and kept yourself in shape. When did you first notice that you had something wrong with you? Well, I believe it probably was two years ago, right after I'd gotten married. So probably late May in 2015. Marriage does that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So 2015, yeah. what was wrong with you? Like you said, I ran every single day. So my legs were always hurting in one place or another. So uh, I did notice that when I would go to put on my running pants, I couldn't do it standing up anymore. It was like I couldn't lift my leg correctly. So I would always have to go sit on the edge of the bed. And I thought that was strange because... It never really eased up. Um, Most pains would be here one day and there the next, but this always stayed there consistently. And but I ignored it because you know my legs, as I said, were always always hurting. So, but looking back on it now, I think that that was my first sign. Now, tell us what the medical community told you about your back pain. I didn't really know even where to go for it. I started at a um, with a spine doctor, but being pregnant, you know, of course they wouldn't X-ray me, and they they kept asking me that um, if I'd been driving a lot lately, and I had. I had uh, just driven to Tennessee twice in one week. It's a ten-hour drive one way, so it was forty hours of driving in a matter of six days. And so right after I get back is when all this slipping starts. So it made perfect sense at the time. So it was completely dismissed as sciatica from driving too much. And, of course, I went to uh, actually the spine doctor is the one that sent me to a physical therapist. But everything they were having me do, nothing, nothing was helping at all. And, of course, you know, I tried a chiropractor, but again, you know, I got the same response. They wouldn't uh, x-ray me and ask me if I'd been driving a lot. Same story. (laughs) So, I mean, it it really all made sense. And after I got back from uh, the Tennessee trip, I actually went camping and slept in a tent on the hard ground. And I thought, because maybe I was pregnant at the time, even though I didn't know I was, that the relaxant in my body, the hormones that get everything prepared for for labor, it was just kind of had me shifted. And and the um, spine doctor told me that, too. She thought since the relaxant 
in my body and then um, driving in a slouch position all the way to Tennessee without sitting straight up that it allowed my body to kind of flip a disc or something like that. So she was kind of blaming it on the hormone and and not sitting in a proper form, you know, when I'm driving, sitting straight up. Yeah. Was the pain getting worse for you over time? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, it became unbearable. I would I couldn't sleep at night. I was um, in bed for an entire month. I mean, I could only get up and go to the bathroom. And even that was such a task. I would have to hold on to every piece of furniture in my room. Um, and, you know, my husband couldn't sleep with me because I would cry all night long. I would get up at three or four in the morning and take baths because it seemed to take the pressure off my bones and it made it somewhat bearable, but it really was never uh, bearable. Um, I could only take Tylenol being pregnant. You know, that was really, really not a good thing. Um, and I took, I, I mean, I went through bottles and bottles. I took as much as I could that was deemed safe by the doctor. And it, it, it offered me no relief. But I watched the clock like a hawk for when I could take the next pill, even though it did nothing. It was just the fact I was that desperate. I was looking for any kind of relief that I could get. And I honestly thought it got so bad at times that I thought I'm either going to black out or I'm going to start convulsing and having seizures because my mind almost couldn't take it. It was that bad. And I just thought something's going to happen. And it was like I was sitting there waiting for it. And it just felt like knives grinding into my bone. And I, I really don't know how else to explain it, but that's exactly how it felt. So what are the doctors saying to you at this point when you've got such intense pain and you're bedridden? Honestly, I um, they just kept saying it was a slip disc. And so I chalked it up as that, and then I went home and rested. So the doctors really weren't involved at that point. Um, not until the car accident and finding out that way. Tell us about the car accident, April, and how things started to unravel for you as a result of it. Okay. I was leaving the chiropractor one day, and I was heading just across the street to my place of work. And it's a very busy intersection, very busy. It's got it's got the side roads and, you know, two lanes going one way, two lanes going the other, and there's stop signs and, and lights. It's, it's very confusing, actually. And honestly, I really don't know what uh, made me go because looking back on it now, it's kind of like something pushed me out into that intersection because I don't know why I would have went being unsure of if it was, you know, being confused with the light and the sign. Um, but looking back on it now, I, I think something that was meant to happen, I got hit in the intersection. I got hit in the driver's side. And the car was totaled, but I was fine. I wasn't jolted too badly, but I knew it was the right thing to do to go to the emergency room for the baby's sake. And that is the only reason I went. And at this time, um, the limp would worsen and it would ease up. And I did read later that, you know, when you have cancer that had metastasized to, your, to the bones when you're limping, it's not uncommon for that to happen. So at this time, I was 
doing a little bit better. So I went to the emergency room and the doctors asked me if anything hurt. And I said, you know, not really. My arm was a little achy, but I had just gotten hit in the driver's side. They said, okay, well, we will x-ray your arm just to make sure that you don't have a fracture. So I sat in the waiting room for a while and the doctor came in and immediately looked at the chair where my husband was sitting and asked me where he had gone. He had ran out to his truck or something and he had a look on his face and I said, he'll be right back. Why? And he didn't want to say anything. I just knew something was wrong. And he asked me how I got, well, I guess he come in and asked me how I had fractured my rib because I had a healing fracture from a couple weeks prior. And I didn't know at the time. And he left again and had a technician take a closer look. And then he came back and told me that they found a gray area in the ball and socket of my left humerus. So I tell you, though, I was, you know, limping when all this happened. And I walked out of that hospital with no limp whatsoever. (laughs) I had so much adrenaline going through me uh, that I didn't limp at all. I, I didn't feel anything walking out of there. I was in shock. So that's when they sent me back to my OBGYN, and then my OBGYN um, sent me to an oncologist. So you actually had a fracture of the rib earlier that you were unaware of. Do I have that right? Yes. Yes. But uh, after, uh, you know, at the time, I didn't know. I was just, you know, in shock by everything. But um, looking back on it, I remember doing it. I uh, lived on the second floor of a condo, and I had a roller board that I worked with. And I would, I pulled it up the stairs, and of course, you know, I'm in pain and pregnant, so I'm like pulling it up. And so I'm crunching on my left side as I'm pulling this bag up. And I remember getting to the top of the stairs and not being able to breathe because my rib hurt. And that was a few uh, weeks prior, but I just didn't put it all together until I... I had thought back on it. Now, you went to your oncologist, and what did the oncologist do or say to you? First of all, she looked at me and thought, since I was so young, that I probably didn't have anything to worry about. She gave me a breast exam and, um, of course, felt nothing, uh, nor did anyone during my yearly visit. She also, you know, listened to my lungs and thought, you know, I don't think it's anything, but she took my blood And she tested me for multiple myeloma, which is a, you know, the bone cancer. That came back negative. I was ecstatic. So she's like, yeah, I'm not sure what it is, so I'm going to send you to an orthopedist. So that's when I went to the orthopedist. Uh, He looked at the x-rays. I had more x-rays in this time before I, I went to him. And uh, when I went to him, he just came in and the look on their faces, you know, you you never forget it. Uh, He showed me the x-ray and I had, well, we knew we had, I had the fracture in my rib, but you looked at it and there was a fracture on both sides of my rib. I had a fracture in my cervical spine, which was scary because that's where, you know, all of your non-involuntary actions take place or, or, you know, they control your involuntary actions. So that scared me and he wanted me to be in a neck brace and everything, but I didn't have to, I didn't end up having to go that route, but 
Uh, so I had, uh, I looked at my spine and there was literally holes up and down my spine, little dark areas inside of each vertebrae. And some vertebrae were even missing the corners. And then later I found out, you know, I had it everywhere. I mean, the ball and socket of my left femur, my right femur was eaten so thin by the cancer. I had a metal rod put in place to protect uh, you know, my leg from fracture. So, April, I'm just wondering here, you were diagnosed at the time as the doctors were showing you your x-rays. You were diagnosed with cancer at that time? So, he looked at it and then, you know, of course, recommended a biopsy after that. So I was sent to the hospital for a biopsy. And, of course, they took one from uh, one of the tumors in my bones and sure enough that's when it came back is stage four breast cancer that had metastasized to my bones a lot of shock for you yeah yeah you're definitely in shock i didn't cry i did start having panic attacks which i never experienced in my life i've always heard how awful they are and my first one was actually when i went to get the biopsy everything just went to tunnel vision. I started sweating. It was awful. And then that was the second time getting the news that I got. I had another panic attack. But, you know, I didn't cry. It was like I was in shock. Mm -hmm. And when I went home and told my family, it was, you know, they were freaking out. And I'm just like completely calm. It was very strange. I want to ask you a question about your treatment because you're pregnant you have yes. just been diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer that is metastasized to your bones. Because you were pregnant, were you offered any treatment of any kind? I was. However, um, it took a lot of doctors to come together to come up with a plan. Uh, they didn't have much experience with, with pregnant women. So my doctor consulted with Duke uh, down you know, the doctors down at Duke, and they said that they uh, hadn't had much experience treating pregnant women, but they did have one certain type of chemo that they have had success with in the very few that they've treated. So we moved forward than that. And the type of chemo, I couldn't even tell you what it was, but I do know it was much worse than what I actually needed. At the time. So I went forward and I took the two chemos. You know, you're scared when you get cancer. You know, you don't know what to do. They rush you into that stuff and don't even give you time mm -hmm. to think. I'm sure you, you know, anybody who's been through this kind of knows that. So, yeah, I did the two treatments and, you know, just after one, I lost all my hair. It, it was pretty bad. And you must have been worried about, you must have been worried about your baby as well. I was, but, you know, I trusted them. You know, I trusted them because this was my first experience. I've always been very healthy. They know what they're doing. They specialize in this. Honestly, I found out, I think I was only about four months pregnant when I found out. I was kind of right there on the borderline to where I, it was too long to have an abortion, thank God, because that's probably another thing I would have had to have decide and face and, and, and all that. Thank God I was far along enough to where they agreed to give it some time and just allow her to be premature. You know, so there's kind of a, we meet, we met in the middle. <laughs> now, when did you discover cannabis through all this? Let me back up a bit here. 
How many how many chemo treatments did you undergo? I went I underwent two chemo treatments. Just, along with the progetta and the Herceptin and a hormone blocker. So the, the Herceptin and hormone blocker, et cetera, you took orally. Um, well, okay, let me let me um, say this over again. I guess the first two times that I did um, was just chemo. And then after I had the baby, I did two rounds of progetta and Herceptin without the chemo because I was still healing, so they didn't want to give me the chemo, but I did do the progetta and Herceptin um, intravenously. At any time during this process, did the doctors give you a timeline on how much time you had? Did they say it was incurable or that they could cure it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And as a matter of fact, every doctor's visit that I go to she reassures me that I will never be cured and that it will always remain in my bones. And I just don't understand that because that is when you tell a patient that to me, you're already setting them up for failure. And she still, still, you know, always tells me this. And, you know, of course, I don't listen at all, knowing what I know now. But um, the prognosis was about a 50% chance, I think, five years, and 10 years was rare but possible. That's what they told me. It's not very encouraging, is it? No, not at all. You know, that, and, and another thing when I was, and I knew nothing about cancer treatment at the time, you know, when I was getting my chemo. Um, but what I did notice was that they passed sugar out like crazy in uh, there. Of course, yes, absolutely. Unbelievable cake, cookies, sodas. I mean, it's like a cart that you've seen on Flowers in the Attic where the grandmother comes in with the poison cookies. That's exactly what it reminded me of. And I'm like, what in the world? Even I know that this isn't bad and I know nothing about this. You know, they should not be promoting that at all. There's no nutrition at all when it comes to the conventional they don't even know about, you know, nutrition, anything about it. My doctor even told me that it probably wouldn't change much. And that's so far from the truth. Yeah, um, I think the me- current medical profession, the allopathic medical profession, is really in the dark ages when it comes to nutrition and uh, the mental aspect of dealing with patients. I mean, telling someone that nutrition is will have no make no difference, handing out donuts and sugar at uh, cancer Cancer clinics clinics. is just abominable. Yes. I mean, even people like us who are lay people know that sugar is bad for you. Exactly. How did cannabis enter the picture for you? I found it rather quickly. Thank the Lord. I, um, during that time that they uh, had to give me to heal from having my baby, I had a little time there, and at that time, I couldn't walk at all. I was in a lift chair all day long, so I had nothing to do but research, 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 you know. And that's when I ran across a Facebook post that somebody put, and it was the um, picture of the 60 grams of cannabis oil, and it said, cancer cure, really big. Of course, that caught my eye. So I uh, read the article, and then it talked about Run From the Cure. So after reading the article, I jumped on, I watched Run From the Cure, and absolutely believed what I was seeing. 
Um, I started watching, I started Googling uh, cannabis cures cancer, and I started watching all of the stories of success. And I thought, how can all these people, you know, these people don't know each other. How do they all have the same story? And then, of course, I started learning about the endocannabinoid system and listening to Bill Mel- or, uh, Bob Melamed out in Colorado and, you know, just really watching everybody's story and the scientific proof behind it, the politics behind it, the history, how we got here. So these were all like puzzle pieces. And then I put them all together and now I see the bigger picture, basically. Um, so I, I got the oil. I followed through with it. I did it just like Rick Simpson said. And in 10 days, I was up and walking again. Every day, I could noticeably see, feel the pain and the weakness leave my leg every single day. And by t- day 10, I was back to normal. And, uh, you know, I went and I, um, I got my checkup after I told them that I was going to refuse the chemo and they monitored me via blood work. And every month they monitored me, my tumor marker. When I began, my tumor marker was at 358 for my type of breast cancer. Normal range is 025. Every visit, my tumor marker had dropped by over 50%. My last visit, my tumor marker was 4.9. Way to go. Yeah. I mean, it was very easy. It just fell like crazy. And, you know, in my story, um, there was a a point that I kind of missed with the cannabis. When I first started it, my first sign, besides my leg and the pain and everything, um, was I had to. And this was in the beginning before I knew that I, I still thought I might do the chemo and the radiation at this time. But the doctor at Duke told me, uh, because I got a second opinion by a woman down at Duke, and she was recognized by Time Magazine as one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. And she told me to never miss a treatment because my survival depended on it. Well, the interesting thing is, if you had taken her word, you may be dead Dead. now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So she told me that if I ever wanted to be eligible for um, clinical trials, that I would have to have the breast biopsy. I'd have to have a breast biopsy done to be eligible for it. So I went and did that immediately. And when I went, and I had been doing the oils probably two to three weeks by this time. And when he went to do the biopsy, but remember, they couldn't find my tumor. It was so small. I mean, a mammogram nor a 3D mammogram picked it up. They finally seen it with an ultrasound. So he went in with an ultrasound and he took a biopsy and he had told me that my uh, breast tumor had already shrunk to half the size and that all of the ones in my lymph nodes were already gone. That was my first like, hmm, I think this might be working. Wow. But when it, it took the pain and weakness from my legs in 10 days, that was it for me. I was like, this is working so beautifully. What a um, relief too, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I changed my life completely. Not even because, I mean, not even just about the cancer, other things, you know, that it's, that it's done for me. Yeah. April, were Amazing. you, were you taking high THC or 50, 50 blend or what were you doing? You know, I can't even tell you because I had to, of course, get it 
from, unfortunately, somewhere I didn't really know the grower or anything Mm -hmm. about it. I just simply went by the way it looked. You know, Mm -hmm. I made sure that, you know, you can tell by looking at it and smelling it and everything. So I just made sure to see the crystals and the the smell is really intense and everything. But I do know that, you know, you want like 20% or more THC. And I, and I know now that high CBD is also good for someone with aggressive breast cancer like me. But again, I can't tell you what was in mine, but whatever it was, it must have worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I just want to clarify something. When you're talking about 20% THC, we're talking about 20% THC in the starting material, not in yes. the finished product, just for people yes. listening. Right, for like when you're ordering your seeds, when they kind of give you the medicinal value, it kind of tells you how much THC and CBD is in each each strain. April, did you take the full 60 grams in 90 days? I sure did, and I even uh, completed it a week early. And my tumor marker fell into normal range that same week, just like you said it would. Is your baby healthy, healthy? today? I was going to ask that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, she's very healthy. Um, she was born four pounds, but, you know, she she was in the hospital for a month. The worst thing she had to deal with was a little jaundice, which was nothing. She went right through that as well, and she improved every day. And today she's like 18 pounds and a happy, happy baby. She's a chunk. So, huh? yeah, I, I'm very lucky. How much did she, she got- weigh when she was born? She was four pounds. Four pounds. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, she- which looking back on that now, it kind of stinks because I feel like that didn't have to happen, you know. But are the doctors somewhat taken aback by your progress? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't even see my doctor hardly ever. Every time I go in there, it's just a nurse. They send a nurse in to kind of give me my results from my blood test and. Um, the one time I did see her when all this was dropping, she she really was just kind of shaking her head. And when I would ask her, like, well, what does this mean? She's just kind of dumbfounded. And I never really get a straight answer, you know. Um, but she, she admits that this is really, really good. And, and then I do, the one nurse that I do see quite often, she's always trying to push something on me. And last time I was in, I told her, I was like, I don't really think I need it. Do you? And she's like, well, and she's like, your blood, you know, your scans. She's like, no, I'm like, thank you. You know, why are you pushing this stuff on me? She admitted I need nothing else. Does your doctor know you're doing cannabis? No, no. I just, you know, that was my personal choice not Mm -hmm. to say anything. I was doing it. It's illegal here. I've got three kids, and honestly, I don't trust them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, go with your gut. I just thought I'd wait until after and then come out with it like I'm doing now. April, what's the state of your bones today? They are healing. Um, in every spot that was damaged, my last scan stated that um, major improvement, my bones are healing, and that I'm reaching. Uh, or I'm responding to treatment very well, is what it said. And she looked at me, my doctor, and she's like, and you're not even on treatment. So, and you know, the, the technician that reads my uh, scans, he don't know me from Adam, so he doesn't know that I'm not doing treatment. Are you back running? 
I'm not. I've asked several doctors, uh, mostly orthopedists, if I could ever run again. They told me no because they didn't think my spine would be able to take it. Um, but they also told me my bones would never heal back, and the scans show that they are. So I still don't run just because I've seen my spine, so I really don't want to put too much jarring on it. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I'll just do the elliptical uh, a lot less jarring. You know, I used to pride myself working out every day thinking I'll never get cancer, but you know, it, it doesn't, um, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It sure doesn't. <laughs> April, what is all of this? What you've gone through tremendous, uh, adversity in your short life. How old are you, by the way? I'm 37. 37. So you've yeah. undergone tremendous adversity in your, your short life. Has this given you a different perspective of life? Absolutely. Uh, When all this happened, you know, and they're telling me what they're telling me, you know, maybe five years, five to ten years, you know, and then you're becoming a mom again. It was very dark days, to say the least. I don't know how to explain it. It was just depressing. and, And then to come out of it so easily... With such a simple method, with such a beautiful thing, it, it caught, it did nothing but allowed me to rest, allowed me to eat. It was the complete opposite of what the chemo would have done. And it was, it was pleasant. The whole experience, it was like, I didn't even know, you know, after a while, I didn't have any pain or anything. I felt completely normal and fantastic. So going from such dark days and looking at life like, you know, it's kind of over for you and that there's no hope to realizing you may live a really long time uh, knowing the benefits and the healing powers of this plant. You know, it's a very exciting thing. So, yes, I, you know, see things completely different. And, you know, I, I used to save things and, and, and there's a lot of dumb little things that I've changed. You know, I don't I always think, well, you know, we're here today, maybe not tomorrow. So I don't save things as much anymore. Just just dumb little things like that. I appreciate my kids more, you know, just just living in the moment. I, I appreciate. April, how did your husband handle all this? Uh, he was very supportive. Very, very supportive. I showed him the videos, every video that I found, like Run From the Cure and all that. You know, I showed him and... And he was, he stood by me all the way and he helped me, you know, make the, make the oil. We did it and it, and it really, it worked. He was very, very supportive. April, yeah. anything you'd like to tell listeners in conclusion? You know, I just, I think it's time that the public starts to realize what this plant really is, you know, and we've been terribly misled for so many years. It's not a gateway drug. It's not, it's a vegetable. It's a vegetable that is essential for our health, like carrots and spinach and kale and all of the rest of them. And I feel that we've been misled because the government knew this and it was a threat to big pharma so i mean we need to get rid of that stigma and re- and look at this plant for what it is it's healing powers it, it's not evil um the lies and the deceit is what was evil it's a gateway, it's a gateway to good health it sure is. It sure is. And people need to open their minds because we're 
some people are just still so back at the starting line. And I know this isn't, you know, available to the public unless they're really looking for it. So, you know, I want to help try to get the word out there and start shouting it to everyone because I didn't know it either until this happened to me and I had to go look for it. And I thank God that I found it. Well, you did a good job. Thanks very much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. April, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you guys. Pleasure meeting you too and, and great story and congratulations to you. Thanks so much. How would you like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio? If so, go to our webpage, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and there's a button there where you can donate. It can be a monthly donation or a one-time donation to help us out so we can bring stories like April's story to you. That's CannabisHealthRadio.com and make a donation. Just a reminder, no donation is too small and no donation is too large. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.